0: You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you. Let's just go ahead and close in prayer. That was, that was good. That was really good. I don't know where to go after that. Um, I was talking to Heather Miller before the service, and I don't know if there was a slide or something that said Randall Worley, and she goes, is Randall Worley speaking today? And I was like... Uh, no, Randall Worley probably couldn't be farther from here today if he tried, so uh, here I am. But I am, I'm honored I'm honored to be here. Uh, I, I think it's amazing that this pulpit is open and gets shared so much. I think it's a great picture of the family of God, and uh, there's, there's leadership that holds that really, really tightly, and then there's very generous leadership that allows that to be open, and so I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, I didn't ask for it, but I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, <laughs> Just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I, uh, my wife and I, Nan, have been going here for about 13 months now. Our daughter Quinn comes with us every, every Sunday. And our son Levi is home from college for Christmas, and uh, he gets to be here today. So I'm thankful to look and see all his faces here. It means a lot to me. So, anyway, um, I, uh, I, have a, a I have a very strong heart for family, a very strong heart for family. I believe that family is one of the integral pieces that God has given us to, to um, share his love, to, to reflect his love. And um, it's, it's not always easy, as we probably can admit, uh, but it is, it is worth it. It is so worth it. Um, so what I wanna talk today is about family. And I know that that's a message that gets spoken here a lot, and I think it can't be spoken enough, honestly. Um, but what I wanna tell you is that this message is going to be for parents but it's also going to be for 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 anybody in here um, that it, that is a part of the body the family of resurgent okay we're not just here to just come and sing and, and all that stuff there are there are things that God wants us to do and wants us to to participate in with him um, as we look at the world and we see the things that are going on in the world it's uh, it's a little crazy I don't know if you've recognized the stuff that's going on um, but I believe that a lot of that is because family's been pulled out and church has been pulled out of our society, and there's an there's an opportunity for us that God wants to take and, and partner with us and be part of a, a, an amazing rebuild. Um, I believe it's coming, but I believe that we've got to not just say like, yeah, God is great, okay, and just go about our thing. We have to engage in the things that God's doing in this hour, okay? All right, so everybody, there's something for you today. Um, a lot going on in this world. Uh, there's a, I I did this thing, like, I don't know why, but there, there's this thing in me that wants to kind of just like look at metrics sometimes. So I started Googling some stats of like the the church and what's going on. And let's forget that. We're not gonna talk about that today. Um, just know that the church is in a really transitional period right now. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that's vying for your heart. And so I don't, I don't think that if I tell you stats, it's going to move us to change. Stats are gonna deflate us and probably anger us, or for me, it just makes me go, well, that's where I kind of didn't do my part. Uh, And that's not what I wanna talk about today, Uh, but I do wanna talk about the reality of where we are, and I want us to wake up to what's going on around us. We have a responsibility individually and collectively to impact this world because God has given us authority. He's given us every tool that we need at our disposal, and what he's looking for is for us to partner with him I found that, um, you know, if I, if I could just stay at home all day and just pray that God would save the world, you know, that'd be great, but he's asking me to get out and to do things. And so the church, our responsibility is to engage and to get back into the game. And so what I want us to do is to kind of wake up to that today. Um, I want to start by reading uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is verses 11 and 12 if you want to turn there in your Bible or if you want to get your phone out. I think it's neat. Uh, my son goes to, he goes to Auburn, and um, I know, um, I'm a Georgia fan, so it's tough, but I love my son. Um, and he, goes, he goes to an amazing church there, so uh, Auburn Community Church, uh, Miles Fidel, the, the ministry that they have is doing unbelievable things there, and I think it's really neat that, that one of the things that he does is when he reads scripture and asks you to turn there, he says, I want you to hold your Bible up. And so you've got this room full of I don't know how many people they see they do like 15 services a day it's crazy, but all these college kids and the the adults that go there too it's not just a college church they hold their Bibles up in the air, and when he told me that I thought that's really neat and and I just started thinking about how like void the world is becoming of the Bible, yeah. um, I think a telephone is great um, I, I think it's an amazing invention. Um, I'm old enough to be in the analog time and the digital time. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't mind going back to analog. It's not that bad. Um, there was a lot more conversation. There was a lot more, uh, you know, I've got to say something tough to your face instead of blister you on a text or social media. Um, and you could pay a price for that. And that's a good thing. Um, but I think that I think that. You know they'll they'll know we're Christians by our love, but if we if we don't have tangible signs of the the value of Scripture, you know, carrying a Bible, having a Bible, you know, if you're on your phone at a restaurant, that's cool. You might be reading your Bible, that's great. But if you have a Bible on the table, I think there's an invitation, and I think God is going to open up opportunities for us as the body, as we go and take His Word and, and the presence of God into those places. First Thessalonians chapter two, verses 11 and 12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Mothers and fathers are to encourage and comfort their children. But this verse also speaks to the responsibility of the body to speak into uh, the, the young believers, the new believers, to disciple and care for one another. We've got, our help, we've got to help our children, our, our birth children, but we've also got to help those in our body to become strong enough to influence others for the sake of the gospel. If you've been around me for any period of time, you know that one of my favorite quotes is by a guy named Craig Groeschel. Um, and this is about purpose. He says, if you don't know something's purpose, all you can do is misuse it. If you don't know something's purpose, all you can do is misuse it. So the question is, what's God's purpose for family? Why do we have family? Is is the point of it for You to become attracted to somebody and say, hey, let's spend the rest of our lives together and, well, I guess we'll just have kids because that's what our parents did and their parents did. And I don't know why we're doing it, but let's just raise a family. Um, No, it's not. There's there's a lot to having a family, but I think there's a casual attitude that kind of comes along with it that you just do what you do because everybody else has done it. The picture of family that we get today, unfortunately, comes from things that have been modeled to us really poorly in the past, or it's from TV or movies. Um, dads are idiots most of the time, um, and there's not a whole lot of value on fathers these days in a lot of ways, but our church family is the place that we can come in and we can have these relationships with people that we don't have to, that we can choose to be in relationship with. Family's family. Church family's a little different thing. But we need to be involved in the church. We need to come to church. We need to be part of that family. If we see the purpose of the church as a place where we can just come and be in and and walk out and and leave, then we're really missing a lot of the things that God has for us. God wants you to be here. He wants your heart. He wants your time. He wants your affection. And I think God has a massive purpose for family. Uh, And if we can align our hearts with his, I think we can obediently see things changing really quickly in our culture. So there's two things in family uh, that really reveal the character of God. The first is marriage, and then parenthood is the second one. Love between husband and wife shows us Jesus' devotion to us as his bride. In the same way, the ups and downs of parenting gives us a picture of his tenderness and patience to us as his children and how he deals with us. Family provides a safe place where children can learn to love one another and experience God's love through their parents. I thought this was a really neat quote. Um I don't even know who this guy is, so I hope he's not bad, um, uh, his name is Dr. Dave Simmons, has anybody ever heard of Dr. Dave Simmons? Dr. Dave, yeah, sorry, um, this is a focus on the family quote, um, i just kidding, I don't know, (laughs) but he says, Dr. Dave Simmons, bless you, Dr. Dave, um, he says, the family is God's smallest battle formation in his war against Satan. And I just thought, wow, I've never, I really have never thought of that. And uh, I don't think many of us did, did we? So, you know, when you were, when you were looking for your mate and everything, did you, you know, look across the church or that smoky bar and say, hey, <laughs> I, I think we could create this amazing battle, this amazing Army in the battle against Satan. This would be awesome if we just got together. I don't think any of us did, but I, but I do think that if we if we looked at family with intent, with the intent of the power and the authority of God behind it, that it would kind of change our. It would change the way that we operate. It would change the way that we do things. Um, that that we would say even if it's my family, the four of us, even if it's your family, it could be two of you, it could be just one of you, you could be single, it doesn't matter. If you're part of this family, this body, then you have an amazing purpose on your life. Um, And and what if we did, if we did have this attitude that we are a battle formation in God's conflict with Satan? I think it switches our mentality from this mindset of, oh, well, the world's tough and things just happen to me and it's bad and I just deal with it and go with it and roll with the punches, or we just kind of go on offense a little bit more and we just say, you know what, not on my watch. This isn't gonna happen. These things will not continue. We've got the full authority and power of Jesus behind us, but so many times we just go, oh, well, it just is what it is. Family is the building block of society that's designed by a perfect, loving God. It's meant to be a blessing. As parents, we're given this amazing task of helping form from infancy, from birth, a human life. (laughs) It's, It's insane. Every stage has its own pitfalls in the, in the difficulty from a, a baby that, that won't stop crying to a constant fee- excuse me, constant feedings to changing diapers to, you know, the, the ups and downs of teenagers, the hormones, the stuff where, you know, you don't even feel like you even know your child anymore at some times. Um, teaching them how to drive in Atlanta. I mean, all the, the <laughs> insane things that come with being a parent. like. If you make a list of the, yeah, if you make a list of those things, you probably like, you know, like birth control is really, really good here. Um, but we're tasked with this amazing God-given um, ability to help form a human soul. And we cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. god created and authored and given us family and he has the blueprint. He has the he has every answer. He has every situation under control, everything that we need. And this also passes us as church, you know, when we have people that come in that are new believers or people that need to grow and be discipled, we have to be aware of that. I think that what we've seen in, in church, and I feel like this is one of the things that God is really correcting in our culture right now, is is these massive, massive churches where nobody knows anybody. There, there's no relationships, there's no, there's no family. It's hard to have a family when it's so big that you can't, you can't know people. Um, people can slip through the cracks and when there's, um, when there's a, a, an ability for us to know and to be seen and to be known and to know and be seen and to see people, it changes things. You know, we, can, we can have relationships that, that, that give us the ability to check in on people and see how they're doing. Anybody remember, uh, this will date me a little bit. Um, when I was a kid, the Peace Corps had an advertising slogan that said, this is the toughest job you'll ever love. Does anybody remember that? Bill, my, you know, my 50-something-year-old compadre, bless you. Um, okay, good, we got another one, good, good. Okay, two older gentlemen, fantastic. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. It's just, it's just a number. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the toughest job you'll ever love. And they show these amazing things of these people doing, you know, whatever Peace Corps does. And, and it just said, this is the toughest job you'll ever love. And I don't, I don't know about that. That didn't, you know, pull me into signing up for the Peace Corps. But this is definitely the slogan for parenting and for family. This is a tough job. Um, and, and, and what that means is when, when things are tough and we know that they're tough, it doesn't mean we necessarily avoid them. It means that we ask the one who gave us family and created family to come alongside of us and partner with us to help. It's a tough job. The outcome is not guaranteed. But what what God tells me in all situations is just to be obedient and leave the results to him. He says, do this. And I say, well, what, what, what am I supposed to do? He just says, no, no, no. You just do what I tell you to do. And just, that's it. Things usually work out that way um after being a husband for me being a father is the greatest calling on my life i love my kids very very much god has given them to me and Nan and entrusted us to entrusted them to us and uh, he's a loving god again who has designed family he is here for our help he gives us answers when we have none um we have a great family and it's taken a lot of work my kids would probably go yeah a lot of talk a lot of talking um Too much talking sometimes but I believe that um in that with the with the challenges and everything that we face that knowing that God is there has changed everything and to and for our kids to see us say you know what we don't have the answer but I know who does and let's let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and show us it's amazing I just hit some button and everything just went berserk so just talk amongst yourselves for a moment (laughs) Do you need a, do I need a topic? (laughs) A chickpea is neither a chick nor a pea. Discuss. (laughs) So parenting, as I said before, um, the, the difficulty in parenting is you're dealing with imperfect people. You're an imperfect person dealing with imperfect people. And so it's challenging. But when we, when we partner with Holy Spirit, um, and, and listen, I think the key to parenting uh, and being a member of a body is intentionality. It is being intentional. It's caring about what's going on and being willing. Um, we can thrive when the world says that we can't. I think one of the things that we've got to start doing as, as parents and as a church is to just shut out the negative voices, uh, shut out the things that keep telling us that this can't be done or this can't be done and just say, Lord, what would it look like if we are fully submitted to your Lordship? What if we give everything we have to you? In the times that we live in, um, families are under unbelievable pressure, unbelievable pressure. I, I was talking with Heather before um, the service and we we're just talking about how it's its not just that things have changed, it's how fast things have changed in the past 10 or 11 years. Um, I, again, I'm old enough to have seen a lot of things happen in family. I remember um, I spoke to the the men in our school uh, for a little bit on Monday night. I remember the the first time I heard the word divorce. I was probably eight years old, and one of my best friends' families, parents, were getting a divorce. And I went to my mom and I said, "They're they're getting a divorce." I've never heard that word. What is that? And she just looked really sad, and she told me what it meant uh, in her own way. Mom and their mom and dad don't love each other anymore, and they're and man, what that did inside of me, the, the insecurity that it gave me, the, the thought that this could happen freaked me out. I, 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 I told the guys, um, there were nights that my parents would go out with friends and everything and I would not go to bed and go to sleep until they came home. And I knew that they were both home. That, under, that ripple of that just impacted me. And now it's gotten so common and gotten so so prevalent that it's just changed us and how we feel towards that. The things that have changed so much. All right, let me back up. We're we're living in a time where families are under assault, um, authority figures in family are under assault. Um, the things that we believe in in traditional church is under assault, and we have we've got to stop bending to that. We've got to stop saying, oh, "Okay, well, if you'll just like us, we'll we'll do what you want us to do." Like that—that's not working. It, it's it's never designed to work, and it's not working. And what the world must see is the crystal clear difference between salt and light and the world. If we want to to move into the world and do the things that the world does, but make a difference, okay. But you can't just go in and go. I'm just gonna kind of get into this because what happens is you get colonized, you get changed into the world. So we have to be really careful of that. When, uh, when, when you're in a war, I know that a lot of people don't like these, you know, kind of images of war and stuff like that, but we're in the spiritual battle of my advanced lifetime. Like this, the things that are going on, I never thought that I would ever see in my lifetime. And the speed at which it's picking up the way that it's going, I'm I'm talking to Nan about things that I feel like the Lord is leading me to say. And as I'm saying them to her, I'm just thinking things have changed so fast that what I'm saying sounds almost foreign. It almost sounds like it's from like the 1800s or prairie days or something. And it's not, it's from like 1998. And it's not, it's not that long ago. It really isn't. And I know for a, lot of, for a lot of the younger people, the, the culture is, is bending you and shaping you to it. And it, it creates this schism between what is truth, what am I feeling, and where's the difference in between these two. And families exist to say, hey, kids, son, daughter, that's not what's happening. Here's what's going on. That's what the church exists for, to say, hey, group of guys that I'm discipling, that's not the truth. This is the truth, this is what God says. We have to be that voice that gives them something else to, to go by. The, the, the assault on the family is because the, the enemy hates strong families because he knows that strong, committed families shake the gates of hell, absolutely. Strong churches shake the gates of hell, okay? When you're at war, you wanna take out your adversary's most powerful resources, okay? I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm a Georgia fan. There was a bad thing that happened recently. Um, if if I if I if I was coaching Georgia, the first play would have been some kind of a sweep to get to the sideline and wipe out Nick Saban, like like physically physically hurt that man. Yeah, yeah, that is the Lord. Um, yeah. That's okay. They might throw a flag. We might lose your best player. It's worth it. It's so worth it. But you want to take out the most powerful resources. So when the enemy looks around and he sees us as strong families, he says, all right, if I take the family out, if I take out the local church, or if I get the church compromised, game over. And it's just a matter of time until they bleed out. And that's what we're seeing right now. Okay. Um, we're easily overtaken when that happens, but families have been assault for so, under assault for so long that what we're not seeing now is this initial push. We're seeing the residual effect of that push. That's been going on for a long time, a long time. Um, if families were strong in the big, big C church, the big church was strong, I don't think we would see what's happening take place. I really, I really don't. So we need to have fully formed and mature parents and disciple makers that can stand for the truth when feelings are ruling the day. All right, I have another quote for you. I love quotes. I want to be able to come up with like a really good quote, but I'm, it's, it's not happening. It's like writing a song or something. Um, I don't know who said this quote, so Dr. Dave and all that. Yeah, So, but this is, a, this is an incredibly powerful quote. All right, so if Satan can get the family to fail in its responsibility to prepare humans to live in this world and to live for the next world as God intended, if he can instead get them to produce millions of worldly thinking, emotionally wounded, spiritually ignorant souls that do not love or even know God, then he will succeed in damaging and possibly destroying every human institution that depends on the family. He will have won the battle at the grassroots level, although of course he will ultimately lose the overall war. But think how many souls he will have dragged down to hell with him. So we know that we're under assault. I think one of the best things, is, is if we can recognize that we are in a war and, con- and convince ourselves and know that we're in a war. I think if we know that we're in a war, you change your mindset and you react differently. You know, if you're kind of wondering, oh, is this ha- it's happening and we need, to, we need to engage. We have all of the resources. We have the one that conquers death that raises from the dead, that revives things, and yet we just don't grab hold of the things that we need to grab hold of. I think the family is absolutely worth fighting for, and the local church is worth fighting for. As followers of Jesus, what if we really started to fight? What if we really started to fight? It doesn't look like traditional fighting, but it is a battle, and we've gotta engage in it. In a lot of ways, unfortunately, I think we're helping ourselves throw the game and giving it up so easily. We're just kind of rolling over in a lot of ways and we need to stop. We play the victim to our circumstances and our wounds and we don't. Really, a lot of people just don't seem to care what's going on. It's not inevitable. It's not inevitable. Actually, there are other things that are inevitable that are really good things. We've got every tool available at our disposal to live victorious lives. We have the best worship. We have the best teaching. We have the God of the universe. But what we have to have is a desire We have to have a desire. God wants to co-labor with you. He wants you to get into the game. He wants you to engage the enemy. And what he says is, I will protect you. Nothing will hurt you. Nothing will harm you. I'm here. If we would follow him in every area of our lives, we would see some things change. I think it's clear that God has really placed a high value on parenting and discipleship. And I think it's imperative that we align our lives with what God values. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel. This is a verse that we kind of read and then stop sometimes when I read it in full. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. A lot of times we just stop right there. But here's what it says after that. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Like when I read those verses, uh, I just I just hear the Lord just saying like, guys, like this is really, really important. This is incredibly important. He's basically saying, take my teaching, my commandments and wrap them into every aspect of your family. Not just every now and then. Hey guys, we need something. We need to pray. But every aspect aspect of your family, every aspect of your family. God is saying, parents, it has to begin with you. Church, it has to begin with us. We can't just say, hey, just come on in and enjoy it and leave. All right, maybe you'll come back. Maybe you won't. I don't know. We need to engage with people. We're blessed with a task of loving and leading our children intentionally towards Jesus every day. And it's not enough just to put them in into the kids' ministry, although it's amazing if that's the only taste of Jesus that they're getting, it's not gonna really work. If Alexander is having to carry this load of our teenagers and they're getting assaulted every day at school and through all of the avenues that are just wearing them out, and we go, all right, Alex, we'll be back at you know eleven thirty or whatever. Like we can't do that. Like we have to do this in a wraparound way that that covers them in every aspect of their lives. As a church body, this puts us on guard. Like there's things that we've got to do to teach and also help new believers, and we have an opportunity as as a body to be a powerful voice in the people that come here in their lives. Um, Before Nan and I had church, uh, sorry, before Nan and I had children, (laughs) before Nan Nan and I had children, I'm losing it, um, one of the things that we prayed for is that, like, I, I get it, like, so I have a I love golf. I have a friend whose dad was a, a PGA tour player long, long, long time ago. In the days where you like put your family in a station wagon and drove to the next tournament instead of gotten a private jet, that kind of thing. If he would if he was alive today or if he was in his prime today, he would be so rich. But he probably made like, you know, like like nine dollars an hour or something, what it breaks down to back then. Um but he, he was amazing. He made all these cuts on the PGA Tour. He beat Jack Nicholas in college twice. Amazing, amazing golfer. And I've had the chance to meet him and hang out with him. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Tell me your stories. Like, we talk about all these stories and everything. And my friend is just kind of like, oh. He's totally bored with it. He's grown up with that his whole life. So it's this different, it's this different thing. And as, as parents, you know, Nan and I even knew before we had kids, and I've known it, because there's just a, a relationship sometimes between parents and kids where my dad could have told me something and I would go, and somebody else's dad could have said this, and I would have been like, yeah, okay. There's just this weird family thing. Parents, you know what I'm talking about, you know? Kids, you probably do too. But it's one of those things that there's there's a responsibility and an amazing thing where other voices have this chance to fill in the gaps that we as parents just can't sometimes fill. And that's where the body comes in. Um, Youth pastors, discipleship group leaders, all these different people that are put into our kids' lives have the ability to speak life into them. And you're those people. I don't care how old you are. uh, You have that responsibility. You have that ability to speak into the lives of these kids. And I think if we'll start to do that, we can see some things changing. Um, and it's also important these days, with the way that families go in, to be those surrogate parents, to be those moms and dads. You know, again, statistically, there's a good chance that people come in and they don't have a full family at home. Something's different, and so there's an opportunity for us to step in and help. Um, if Jesus isn't important to to you, he more than likely won't be to your children. Your heart has to be right. You do not have to be a perfect parent. Praise the Lord. But your desire to parent in a way uh, that leads your family into the presence of God, your desire must be uncompromising. Uh, Paul Tripp says, children who don't acknowledge God will act as if they are God and will resist the help and rescue that God has provided for them through their parents. You, along with Jesus, are their help and rescue. Luke 9.23 says, and he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This verse is meant to be followed at all times, not just outside the home. I think that um, I've struggled with this before. Um, I give my best to people other than my family a lot of times. Um, Work, uh, other friends, different relationships, that kind of thing. And I don't have the best sometimes for my family. And I think that God's calling us into this thing of like, where, where are we missing that? Where can we tighten this up a little bit? Jeremiah 29 has the the old saying, the old old verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in a future. And he really does. He has a hope and he has a future for us. Um, I want to give you a couple of things that I think can help maybe um, with some of the situations we find ourselves in. But there's a lot of things that are keeping us from family, and this is church family as well, that we really need to take a, a hard look at. I think busyness is a massive obstacle to families and to the family of God. Um, we did a marriage conference years ago, and they made an acronym out of busy, and it was buried under Satan's yoke. And I believe that we're living in that. Our culture is just it's a million miles a minute. It goes so fast, and busy has become normal. But I would challenge parents or anybody, even as a person, that, that just to ask the Lord, what, what's the schedule look like? You know, have you ever paused in the middle of a crazy day of running around, ferrying kids all over the place, and just said, like, Lord, is this really your plan for us? Because I think that when we burn that candle at both ends, there's not a whole lot left. And unfortunately, church is one of the things that gets sacrificed uh, when our time is kind of cut short. I really encourage you to do this. Is your pace sustainable? Is it draining you as parents? So that you're worn out and just going through the motions? As a member of a surgeon, is, it, is your schedule so filled that you don't have time for some of the things that we're doing outside, uh, maybe out of the normal Sundays? Um, there's a major difference between resting from work and working from rest, and the Lord wants us to work from that rest that he provides us. Uh, many times we do what we do because everybody else is doing it. You know, the old, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it? Well, I think, yeah, now. I'm going to look around and see it. Um because we want to be accepted, we can easily compromise for the sake of that acceptance. We want to fit in and belong. But if we're getting our identity out of what our kids do, we're making a choice to let our kids drive the bus. Um, Jesus needs to set our pace, and this is for single people too. Um, Society become busier and busier and church has become that item on the chopping block. Your church family needs you and you need your church family. The nature of this relationship works best when we stay connected. And we see each other frequently. So I'd encourage you as a family, as a person, pray over your schedule and don't assume that you need to just do everything that comes along. We've been doing healthy boundaries and learning about healthy boundaries in school. Dr. Henry Cloud, I recommend that book to everybody. Don't allow society to dictate your pace because the world is not our model. If you're seeking identity through your kids' fulfillments, you're going to get let down, probably. If your kids' activities... It's going to be hard. Um, there's a strong chance that your love for them can become performance driven as well. Um, Jesus' love for us, thankfully, is not performance driven. So our love should never be either. Um, everything we do, every choice that we make, uh, everything we invest in shows what we value. It shows where we're willing to expend our resources. Um, so think about your schedule. What would your schedule say that you value? What do you clear your calendar for? What do you make time for? Um we're really value motivated human beings. So what we spend our money on, our our resources, it says what we value and our spiritual habits all work to form a portrait of what's valuable to us. So if church isn't, that's not really good. Um, Another big obstacle today is comparison. Um, Social media is back to the analog days. Like, I, I wish I could just take you back just for a little while, make it like a weekend still some good shows on TV. It's not all a loss. Um, but everybody's social media stuff is like, it's not real. Does everybody know that? Y'all know that, right? Okay. I just want to make sure. Uh, nobody's on vacation all the time and eating out every meal. Um, if they are, there's, there's trouble lurking. Um, <laughs> But I, I have seen over the years that there's, to me, I've seen there's, there's three things that you can really easily fake. Um, You can fake a happy family, a good marriage and financial status. I've seen that in a lot of churches growing up where you've seen like the, you know, this family and you're like, gosh, man, they have it all together. And then the next week they're saying, we're getting a divorce. And you're just like, whoa, what happened? It's, what are you talking about? Um, I've seen, I've seen couples that, that, that I was you know, wanting to have lead marriage retreats that are tapping out. They're, they're, they're not what they're presenting. It's, it's crazy. Um, everything, there are families that appear to have everything together and they just disintegrate. And people that seem to be doing well financially, their clothes look great, all that stuff, car's nice. But they are dying and they're drowning in debt because they're just trying to keep this facade going of who they are. Uh, they don't want people to know. So where does our identity come from? Where am I looking or who am I looking to for ultimate fulfillment? Another issue, um, this is a tough one, is that your home might not be a place of peace. Um, Even just saying that, I'm sure for some of you, you just have this mental image of like what normally goes on in our home. Um, when, uh, When the peace of Christ rules and reigns in our hearts, the peace of Christ reigns wherever we go because we take it. It goes with us into those places. And the home is a sacred place that needs to be valued and protected above all costs. Um, Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. When your home's not a place of rest, there's little value placed on being there. Um, Home is supposed to be a place that you long to be, where you know you're loved unconditionally. Um, But many times it's avoided and I think for a lot of people, it's just a defense mechanism to just not I don't want to go home Because if I go home, what am I going to do? I might have to have awkward silence and then we might have to fill that silence with a discussion of something that we don't want to talk about People are afraid if it gets too still and too quiet that those things can happen and they don't want to face the issues Um, This is one of those things that Dan and I were talking about so um, Some of the things that I'll tell you about like pulling the curtain back on our home, you might just go like, oh my gosh, like you guys are weird and that's okay. Um, Some of it works, some of it doesn't, you know, we throw out the stuff that doesn't. Um, But this is one of those things that I think is a foundational thing that I really encourage everybody to do, single, family, 10 kids, no kids, dogs, cat, whatever, like your house, wherever you live is to go home and claim your home as a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. Tell him that he's welcome. Tell him that he has access to everything in your heart, everything in your home. Uh, we have to repeat that process. We do that at home, but we have to repeat that process from time to time. <laughs> but we want our home to be play, to be a place of joy and laughter and comfort. Like I love it when uh, our whole our four are home uh, because it's it's talking. It's it's great, and it takes cultivating. It's not it's not always easy to do, but it's worth it. But we pray over our home. And a lot of times we've had people that come over and say they've, they just don't want to leave because they feel peace. That's kind of the downside of that, but um, that's okay. We'll take it. I'm just kidding. If you've been to our house, we love you. And we, we'd like for you to stay. Um, so this would be one of those things that, that might kind of be funny to you guys that we do, but we have post-it notes on the door inside and outside of our garage where we come in and out the most. And as you walk out, The post-it note says, pray, put on the full armor of God. And it's one of those things that you're just like, well, sure, of course. But like, if you don't have a note, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to just like get in my car and go, all right, I'm going to put on all this armor, get ready to go. And then when you come in the house, there's one that says, pray, cleanse before entering, that I think is really important. There's things that that we can drag into our house that really can work to wreck our peace. Um, And that's not something I came up with. I'm not, you know, I'm not usually going to leave post-it notes around that say "cleanse the atmosphere," but that girl, <laughs> and I'm so thankful for it. But when your home's a place of peace, there's more incentive to be there. It's welcoming. It's inviting. You might be thinking that peace at home at home is impossible, and there was a time I would agree with you. I think that we we as parents, uh, I know that I modeled what was shown to me as a as a kid. Um, and I started off as an angry parent. I wanted my kids to obey. I wanted, I wanted, um, people to see my kids and go, man, he's doing a great job. And, uh, I had good intentions, but boy, the execution was horrible. It's horrible. And for, for us, things changed when we partnered with the Holy Spirit. And we just said, Lord, what, what do you want us to do as parents? And God showed us this model of, of how, of how he looks at us. And it, it changed our parenting style. It changed the things we did, and thankfully, hopefully, kids it wasn't too late. Um, we'll talk about that later. Um, we face so many obstacles in our world that want to keep us from god 's best for us. And I' want to talk about some of those really quick um, and give some advice on maybe how to d- redirect our focus. Um, but one of the one of the big issues for parents today um, is allowing your kids to dictate everything your family does um, Here's a a quick question. Do you feel more like the captain of a ship or do you feel like the leisure director of the cruise ship? We're going from activity to activity. Just keep you happy, keep you happy, keep you happy. Uh, If your main focus is to keep them happy, you're going to wear yourself out. And when you wear yourself out, it's not good for your spouse. It's not good for you. Um, Survival mode kicks in and everybody divides into their own little place of survival. And it's really, really nasty. Um, Another obstacle is the myth that siblings can't get along. That is a myth. That's a lie. That is not true at all. Uh, siblings need to be taught that as a family, we are God's. We are. We are the um, the greatest advocates of one another. That's one of the roles that God's given us. So to speak with kindness and love to one another has to be taught, modeled, and expected. Because if it's not taught, modeled, and expected at home, eh, they're not going to get it anywhere else. Really, I don't think. Um, if your parents, if they see you and your spouse speaking unkindly to each other, they pick up on these things. And it kind of gives them an implied permission to do the same thing. So in our families and in our church family, we must always look to find the gold in each other. Always. And make sure our words about one another are honoring and uplifting. Uh, another area is media. Whew, I could go on about media for a long time, um, but I, I won't. I mean, I'll just, I'll just simply say this. That as parents, that as you as an individual, as a Christ follower, you're the gatekeeper of what you put into your eyes and into your ears. You have the choice to say yes or no. And it doesn't matter how much the cultural pull is for something. If you want to watch something, you want to listen to something, ask the Lord. Just say, Lord, what do you think about this? But what, you, what we do consume, it impacts us for sure. There's a reason when I work out, I listen to Pearl Jam and not, you know, something piano based. Um, makes you feel different. Does things different for you. I'm sorry. Pearl Jam's getting old too. Um, <clears throat> I, did, I, did, I did Google something uh, that was really horrible. And if you have Apple Music or anything, if you just look at like what's trending or look at the Billboard top 10, 15, like I didn't go past 15, but once you get into the, the top popular songs, oh my gosh, like it's brutal it is brutal. And again, I'm a little older. The things that I listened to growing up were a lot different. I remember when, uh, I don't remember who it was, but somebody had the first song that I saw that had the little E on it for explicit. What song doesn't have that now? Like it's completely changed. And so when you're surrounded by it and that river gets going, you're just like, well, what choice do I have? I just have to get in that river. Oh, you really don't. You really don't. Um, there was, a, there was a thing that Nan and I were talking about last night that she reminded me of um, when we were um, in those glory days of where, like, we put the kids to bed at, like, 6.30 or 7. <laughs> I'm not tired. You're, you're exhausted. Go to bed. Um, when we were in those days, um, we, would, um, we were really busy, had a lot of stuff going on, and we just wanted to sit down and just vegetate. We just wanted to watch TV. We wanted to just chill out. And um, there, was a, there was a crime show that was on a major network, primetime network, um, and this is early mid-2000s. And we watched it, and we were kind of like, hey, this is, you know, this is fascinating, but God, I feel kind of weird watching this. This is a little dark. Um, well, lo and behold, uh, about a few weeks into this show, our kids started waking up with nightmares. And we were like, huh, that's really weird. And we didn't really put two and two together for a while. And then my sweet wife and her tender spirit said, I feel like there's something with this show inside of me was just like, it's just a TV show. It's not a big deal. What's, what's the problem with it? You know, like it was, it was an affront to my entertainment. It was an affront to my downtime and my downtime might be taken away. And gosh, if we don't have this TV show to watch, what are we going to do? It was ridiculous. But as soon as we stopped watching it and prayed over our home nightmare stopped. And I know that there is so much spiritually that goes on in these things that we just don't give really the, the eyes to pay attention to. And we really, really need to. Um, we've got to understand that the culture pulls us towards darkness. And we are to be that salt and light and show the world a better way. Um, and it's easier if we can deny ourselves some of the things that maybe give us some temporary pleasure or some you know, some escapism and, and really um, move away from those things. I don 't want to go on, and on about culture um, so let's let 's look at the bright side um, first uh, first and foremost of all of these things that i 'm talking about is I just want to encourage everybody and just tell you it's not too late uh, i don't care how old your kids are i don't care how old you are. I care how old I am, obviously, but um, I, it's not too late it is not too late. Uh, I had this picture uh, the other day of just this um, this this thing of me where Um, I can kind of beat myself up for um, things that, you know, anyway, I can beat myself up for things sometimes. And when I started looking at some of those cultural things and what's happening, I just started thinking about like the difference that I haven't made. Does that make sense? Opportunities that I've missed and stuff like that. And and the thing that God just really was so gentle to say to me was it's not too late. It's really not too late. Uh, What's done is done. And now there's a new battle. There's something that we need to press into and he's calling us into it. And I just had this picture of just kind of this timeline of my life, of going through these things, and and the Lord was just right beside me the whole way. He was there for everything. And one of God's greatest attributes is writing redemption stories. Um, When we're obedient and we exchange what's ours for what's his, he it's just like he just comes rushing in like a flood, and it really changes things so quickly. I would say give him your greatest struggle and see what he can do. If you want to start seeing change, do this. Just... Quit, surrender, just give it all to him. Give your family to him, not just today, not just a one-time thing, but every day. Give him your heart, give him yourself every day, over and over and over again. Seek him for your identity and seek his word for who you are. Um, one of the practical things for us when we kind of felt busy was, all right, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna add something to the schedule or something come along that we need to add to the schedule, we would take one thing or two things off the schedule before we added another thing. So I'd encourage you to do that. Um, to work to establish your home as a place of peace. When you go home today, just just pray. Ask the Lord to cleanse your house. Go through every room and pray over every room. And be specific. Wherever you eat, ask the Lord to bless your time, that you would have great conversation and that it would be spirit-filled and that it would be uh, enriching and it would be encouraging to one another. Pray over your kid's room. Pray over your room. Uh, pray in your the room where you watch TV. Um, ask him to protect your family, protect you from things that you probably don't need to be watching or seeing. Um, invite the Holy Spirit in your home every day. Ask him for discernment for what you consume through your eyes and your ears. Um, your kids need you. You haven't been entrusted with them by accident. This church needs you. You need this church. We've got to fight for um, the things that are being stolen from us harder than the culture fights for it. Um... Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Um, there's a couple of things I was going to say, but I'm going to skip that. Um, that's 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 kind of me in a nutshell. My, my heart is family. My heart is for you. My heart is for people growing and advancing towards the Lord. Um, the, the times that we live in are absolutely bizarre. They're extraordinary. Um, if you're feeling the weight of that, uh, know that there are people that are praying for you. Um, there, is a, there is a major assault on everything that the church holds dear and should hold dear. Um, but I just want to encourage you all with this. And this is, you know, I, I had not played this out in my mind, but we'll give it a shot. Um, I'm a lifelong uh, Metro Atlanta person. I was born and raised here. And um, our sports teams are pretty horrible, um, for the most part. We had that one thing in 1995, we won a World Series. Hey, I know. That's where I'm going. Yeah. We were were somewhere where we were, uh, I think we were at Disney years and years ago, Right after the the Falcons lost um, the Super Bowl. Yeah. in Like, in, impossibly, impossibly lost the Super Bowl. Like, impossibly. 28 to 3 at halftime. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was literally, my son and I were watching the game, and I'm like, okay, I'm an Atlanta guy. Like, I know that what bad can happen can't happen. So, is it physically possible? Let's think about this. If we just get the ball on offense and go three downs and punt the rest of the game. I think we can be okay. And he was like, I think we can. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) Like something just doesn't feel right. And we lost. And so we go to Disney shortly after that. And we're on a bus getting ferried from place to place. And wouldn't you know it, you walk on the bus and there's the dude, head to toe Patriot gear. And the only spot for us is right beside him. And so he's super nice guy, super, super nice guy. But it was so funny him figuring out and asking where we were from and saying Atlanta, and he just you know he just like he just looked back at us like you know the cartoons where like the guy becomes like a big ham or steak or something, and the hungry wolf is like going out, and we just had this conversation so i'm i'm I have harmed my children, my son especially please forgive me, as this like super negative sports fan, super negative like. Orf- it's Orphan Spirit Sports Fan is really what it is. We, like, we, we can't win, we won't win. The worst is gonna happen every time, every time. And I remember years ago, he was just like, God, shut up, like, stop. He didn't say shut up. Well, he might have under his breath. And it was totally justified. But it was just this wake-up call of like, okay, st- like, stop, stop poisoning the well. This is horrible. This is your child. This is-. And so I appreciated his optimism even though I tried to temper it with serious pessimism. (laughs) So, so fast forward, and this is, listen, this is lifelong. This isn't just like, you know, again, this is, this is a long time, long period of time in my life. Um, And so this year uh, the Braves get into the playoffs and I've, I've seen that like 20 times. I've seen them, I've seen them win 14 divisions and win one world series again physically impossible, I think, but somehow we managed to pull it off. Yay. Um, (laughs) special. So that, that spirit has impacted me a lot. And so as the, as the team started to go, I started to find find myself daring to believe. And then I'd get onto myself for daring to believe and then I would start to believe again. (laughs) And then, um, I do a golf trip with some friends and we did it. This is our 21st year. It's 16 guys. It's amazing. It is, it's insane. It's so much fun. And um, there's a friend who has a lake house and he had mounted a big TV outside on his porch. And so we have all 16 guys out there watching the Braves together. And it was, I can't describe how like euphoric it was. We're we're watching, we we were there for a weekend. We saw two big wins and we were thrilled. I mean, we're high-fiving, like we're, hurting. We're high-fiving so much. And we're having the best time. And then we get home and then we've got this group text going and then they win the World Series. They win the World Series. And I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm almost like stunned and in disbelief that it really happened. And I get a call from Levi and he's at Auburn watching. And one of Auburn's traditions is to go to uh, this street corner called Tumor's Corner, if you ever heard of it. And throw toilet paper into the trees. They roll Tumor's Corner. And uh, so he's like, this is amazing, this is so fun. I'll, we'll talk later, but I'm headed to Tumor's to go roll Tumor's, I was like, this is great. So the celebration just keeps continuing continuing. And then he's coming home the next weekend, and he says, I think we should, he said, do you guys wanna go to the parade? And I'm like, no, no. This is so many people, this is so much traffic no, I don't want to go to the parade. That was all on the inside. I'm just like, sure. If you want to go to the parade, we'll go to the parade. And I even even said to them, like, you know, we're doing this for you, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay. So we go. We got a sweet hookup from Heather Miller to park at her apartment complex, which was great. So a mile that way, we walk over and there's so many people getting together at the battery and I'm just feeling like this amazing feeling. It's a new feeling. Like, it's not anything I've really experienced before. People are gathering. There's this amazing festive feel in the air. It's just incredible. And um, so Nan and the kids kind of went off and kind of walked around. And I just, I stood in this place at this little barricade where the Braves were going to come. And I stood there for what, five hours? I stood there for five hours. And it went by in like 10 minutes. It was insane. I'm talking to people. Like, it's just this amazing picture of joy and happiness so the crowd builds and builds and builds and we're in a place that it's like a lane like we're looking this way and it's about this wide and it is I mean it is shoulder to shoulder it is so jammed um and the feeling is just building and building and then the players come and they get on the bus like right in front of us like as close as me to that wall and we're seeing this happen and I'm I'm telling you like this is this is a jaded heart moment where I'm just like this is absolutely incredible. And I'm feeling this joy swelling up inside of me. And as I'm sitting there looking at that, I'm seeing all the people cheering and all that stuff. I just felt the Lord say, you think this celebration is something? There's a celebration that's coming that will blow you away. And I'm sitting there in that moment and I was just starting to cry. And I started asking him, like, I I know that heaven is is a celebration. He said, no, no, this is before that. And as I've prayed into that over the past few weeks, I just see, I see like, um, I keep having these pictures of like masses of people with like, you know, like when they're hostage and they have the duct tape over their mouths. I just see this tape being ripped off of like billions of people. And I feel like we're living in this time where you really don't know what you've got until it's either almost gone or gone. And I just want to encourage everybody here. It is not over. It is not even close to over. The enemy has overplayed his hand so massively. And what we're going to walk into and what we're going to see is we're going to see the, the petty things that have divided people start to fall away. We're going to start to see the things that the enemy meant for evil turned around in a massive rebound that you will not believe. I can see it. I can see it. I've seen visions of this over and over again. And so I just want you, uh, as we kind of wrap this up, I, I just want you to go home this week and I want you to pray about your role in that. Again, if we want to see this happen, you can't just sit in your house and pray for this to happen. You can, we want you to do that, but we want you to put on your boots we want you to get out and we want you to do things, okay? This church is an amazing avenue for this, the change to happen that we want to see happen. I am so thankful for your heart, for um, how God has used all of you. You are all miracles, like unbelievable miracles with your testimonies, the things that you've been through. The world says there's no reason that you should be here. But God has you here for this amazing mantle that you all carry with redemption, with family, with all of the different things. And God is inviting us as a church to get on board with the things that he's doing through this leadership. So um, I appreciate you listening to me. I'm sorry I'm not Randall Worley. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, thank you. It's time, It's time. church. It's time. It's time. We can't just wait for other people to do it. It's time for us to go. Let me uh, let me pray over you guys real quick. If you'll stand, please. Heavenly Father, we're we're just so thankful for who you are and for the power that you possess. We're thankful for your nearness. And Lord, I just I just pray for just the release of activation in our hearts, Lord. Just to just to um, just a way for us to get involved in the things that you're doing. Lord, you've got miracles that are coming. You've got miracles that are happening right now. And we pray, Father, that our focus will just be shifted from uh, the things that distract us from you straight into your gaze, Lord. Let us lock eyes with you this week. Let us be just wholly, wholly taken over by the presence of God. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you can do. And we just, we just unite with you in this moment, and we just say we're yours. Thank you, Lord, for this season. Thank you for all that you're doing. Oh, we just love you. In Jesus' name.